everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting here in Dining Room Studios with one of my favorite people that I don't know all that well, but have known of for a super long time, Hutch Harris of The Thermals, which I always mention as my favorite band. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So it's very exciting to have you on the show. Um, This is the second time you've been on the show. When we did the shows at Bumbershoot, you were on one of the live ones, but... Being that it was a live show, I did not really get to like delve into right. all the the Hutch Harris yeah. of it all. Yeah. So when I found out you were going to be in LA, I uh, was hoping to make this happen, and here it is. It all happened. Here you are. It is all working out. Um, you have a new album coming out. Yes, uh, a new Thermals record called "We Disappear." We will talk about that. Okay. Um, and we'll talk about the fact that you in recent years have started doing comedy Mm -hmm. yeah um and we'll just talk about everything okay uh my relationship with the thermals is such that and it's a cliche but like if you guys put out an album of you farting i would be like it's my favorite album well good because that that is what the new record is (laughs) Is that in in the works yeah no the new one that comes out okay good good yeah are the fart tones warm it's yeah it's really good analog uh (laughs) fart recording yeah (laughs) perfect vintage i um i think i first heard you guys so i used to write about music and i Uh received all the um things that sub pop put out and i don't know if i was living in new york yet or if i was in the process of moving to new york um but i fell in love with your album and then i was at south by southwest and i saw you guys play a number of times that year and it just it was similar to when i first heard nirvana like this is some a feeling is being articulated by the sound of this that i needed to hear that i don't feel like i've heard before if that makes awesome. sense yeah no that sounds good um and i would say that i also had that reaction to sunny day real estate oh yeah into them yeah. the difference with that though is it's like this is the sound of all the pain and all the beauty in the world and it's it hurt. It's too much. I can't listen. Right, I love yeah. it, and I it can can't be overwhelming. To it. Yes. Whereas yeah. the thermals like get at that sort of to me existential something or other that's like in. I, I sound so sincere right now, and I'm okay with that. Like in my soul, but in a way that like I I feel like I can't get enough. And I um like through so many different parts of because at that time I was my life was very chaotic. Um, and I loved hearing you guys play. And then I was in New York and I remember I was depressed and I, you guys were playing at the knitting factory that night and I went and I saw you and I was standing there in the audience and this is feeling of like, I just want to be enveloped by this forever. Like, I don't want this to end. And then my life has become less chaotic and I still love you guys. Like, I'm just, just, just like my best friend. Oh, that's band. so sweet. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, but I don't really know that much about your story. Yeah. So you live in Portland currently. Yes. Is that where you grew up? I grew up in South Bay, like uh, Campbell and Sunnyvale and San Jose. Okay. Yeah. I was actually born in New York City. I did not um, know that. Yeah. But then we moved when I was eight to uh, to Mountain View, actually. And then... Is that Oregon? Uh, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's right by San Jose, California. Okay. Yeah. Um, my dad was, uh, my dad's a musician and he did like off-Broadway stuff. He's a piano player mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, and then he became a programmer and then, so that's why we moved to San Jose. And then he worked for Adobe for a long time. Gotcha. So that's why we were there, yeah. What was your childhood like? 
it was great. I, you know, when I come to, just when I come to back to California, like I've been in LA like two weeks now visiting, like I love it. I just love California. I've been in Portland for like almost 20 years mm-hmm. and I love it. But like, I'm so glad I grew up in California, just like with the sun and just being able to be outside like all the time. So I miss it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, my uh my childhood was it was pretty normal. I uh, I you know just growing up in suburban California. Um, yeah, I I definitely miss California. I feel like I I have to move back here at some point. <laughs> Do you have siblings? I have a sister, uh, and she lives in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So your dad was a musician and then a programmer. And what about your mom? My mom's a nurse. They're both retired now. Um, but yeah, my mo- my mom was a nurse. Are they still together? They are still together, like forty three years or something. Wow. Yeah, right. It's crazy. <laughs> do you think you have that in you, that ability uh, to do a forty-three year old, forty-three year? No, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd make it. I mean, I'm forty now, so I don't think maybe if I got married like today, I don't know, <laughs> eighty-three. I don't. I kind of don't see it, but I don't know. I. It's weird. Like you would think that I would. You know, I'm single now, mm-hmm. so I. Uh, the longest relationship I've had has been three years, which is a long time for me. Was that you went out with Kathy, who's in the band, right? Yeah, so we that was one of my three year relationships, but yeah, that that's like forever ago now. We dated from like ninety eight to two thousand one. So we were already so broken before up. Before the album came Yeah, the before first the thermals out. even started. Like Kathy and I had other bands, we'd already broken up. I think we, we maybe like stopped playing music with each other for a couple months mm-hmm. and then we just like got right back to it. Was that ever hard? Yes. For you or for her? Uh, for both of us. Because we, um, we had like a pretty bad breakup. Um, and it was, it's weird because a lot of that is kind of what led to the thermals. Because we were living together and then we both, you know, I moved out of the house. Um, Kathy was actually dating someone else who lived right down the street from me. Mm-hmm. And I was, that was not fun. I worked, I worked at Stumptown Coffee. This is like 2001. Um, so I had to get up at like five thirty in the morning to go to work, and then I would see her car parked outside this other guy's house, <laughs> like on it was on the same block as me, like a mile or so down. But yeah, so that was crazy. Um, eventually, that that did lead like a lot of those, or at least some of those songs on the first Thermals record are about her or about us or like what we were going through then. Um, and then we tried to get back together like two thousand five or six but that didn't work either what happened then i don't know we were on tour it's funny we were on tour with sleater kinney it was like the mm. last sleater kinney tour before they got back together so like 2005 it was it was just like didn't last long at all we like tried to get back together and that like just really quickly didn't it just didn't happen but now we're like great now we're like best friends um yeah and so it's been a long time since all that but you said that you had a really bad breakup. Yeah, because we were so young still. Like, we were 24, I think. How'd you guys meet? So we met, um, our bands would play together. Um, she had a band called Pistol, uh, and I had a band called Bunch of Losers. This is, like, right out of high school. So, like, no, we graduated in 93, so, like, 93, 94, 95. Um, so I, we would, like, I would see her around. I would see her band play. Uh, but then we actually met uh, in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show at Shoreline <laughs> Amphitheater in Mountain View. I did um, not see that coming. Yeah, right. But neither of us went to that show, although oh. I did see the dead like a year or two later. Okay. Um, but her friend was selling weed 
Like we everyone everyone was just like buying drugs in the parking lot or mm-hmm. you know selling and buying drugs like balloons and nitrous and whatever. What acid. were you looking for? Um, I just anything. I'm sure we we did acid all the time, acid mm-hmm. and mushrooms. Uh, but her friend was selling weed, and so that's how I met. Like that's how we officially met. Were you on anything when you met her? I don't think so. I don't think I was. Yeah. Okay, so so neither of you were seeing the Grateful Dead. You were just there for the shopping experience. Yes, it's smart. It was. I mean, know, if you're looking for drugs. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was just <laughs> like. Yeah, you would just go to the parking lot because you knew you could find anything. Right. I don't know what the equivalent is now. I don't. I mean, I I want to say a fish show, but probably yeah. Not. But even does that even still happen? I don't actually. Yeah. I don't. I was going to turn to Jeff, but you wouldn't know. <laughs> no, that's not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I saw Grateful Dead once as well. What year did you see them? So it was like. Probably just like a year or not or less before Jerry Garcia died. So it was probably ninety five. Did he die in okay. ninety five? It was probably like ninety four, ninety five. I think he died in I wanna say he died for some reason I think he died in ninety seven, but I could be I think I'm wrong. It's it somewhere somewhere in there. Anyway, yes. I, I wonder if that was the same tour that I saw them on. Anyway, okay, so you met Kathy yeah. in a parking lot. Yeah. Then what happened? So we we probably didn't start playing music together for a couple more years, but eventually we did. Like Where we knew were you all the same people point? in San Jose. Okay, Kathy's living in Sunnyvale. I mean, so basically the same city, but you know, it's all the valley. Right. Um, we started playing. We had a band called Hala that was. I think we started in '96 or '97, and Kathy was playing drums. And then it was us and then our friend Albert. Like, he and I played guitars and bass and sang. And then Kathy played drums. Mm-hmm. That was... That didn't last... That lasted a couple years. Kathy and I had a band called Urban Legends. And then we just started doing Hutch and Kathy. Which was a folk... Yeah, drama. yeah. Which is more... Yeah, yeah. Um, Inspired by your love of Grateful Dead. It was, yeah, everything I've ever done <laughs> is inspired by my it's, love of Grateful Dead. It's interesting the way your sound has gotten so far away yeah, from them, I think but if you, still, the any vibe. Any Thermals record, I think you can hear a lot of Grateful Dead. And the, the scene is, is very similar. I don't even know why I went to the to the to, to see them eventually. I had uh, this friend of mine, and she was like such a deadhead, and she was... I mean, everyone was like so high. Everyone was just, everyone I looked at just looked like they were melting into the grass. This was like a huge shoreline amphitheater is where I saw like Guns N' Roses and Tom Petty, ACDC, like saw all the big shows there. Um, so, you know, it's like has a big, it's outside. Uh, and it was just everyone just like melting into the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, yeah, my friend Michelle, who was such a deadhead, she was super high and she was just, meticulously like taking notes on the show like writing down what songs they played in what order that was, was a big deal yeah and it didn't look like very very much fun at mm-hmm. all it was like a lot of people were there like doing work like they were bootlegging the show <laughs> or they're selling drugs like yeah a lot of it was just kind of like yeah keeping busy it's interesting yeah what did you do i was just watching other people at the show because it was so i mean some people I mean, melting is just the best word I can think of. It's just people like not moving at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess some people, you know, they could have been just enjoying the music, but they, a lot of people just looked sad to me. To me, being that 
stoned when you're basically like in a prison of your own body that can't move is yeah. deeply unpleasant. Yeah, Deep, like right. I hate that. Yeah, I mean, it's been years since I felt that way, but um, that was not one of my. And yet, I feel like that was the goal on for almost every weekend in college. What to just get that high? To to get high, and for me, it was always that high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me I too. Couldn't really modulate it. No, I mean. Yeah, there's no point in getting just a little high. It has to get to the point where you're kind of scared. <laughs> yes. You, I mean, I was, I still do that when I smoke weed because I still smoke weed, but I can't, I don't smoke, I don't need as much as mm-hmm. I used to at all. I can smoke a little bit, but I always like smoke it right up to that point where I'm like, okay, well, that was a little too much. <laughs> and then as soon as it starts wearing off, try to get back. To yeah. That when scary I hear place. how other people, how pot makes other people feel, people who love, People who love pot, when I hear their reaction to it, I always think, I don't think I've, it's never been that way for me. It's never just something that takes the edge off a tiny bit and makes me feel mellow and giggle. It's always been something where I'm hallucinating and no longer know what's going on. And you like that? No. (laughs) I did in college or I convinced myself I did. Um, But the last, not the last time I spoke pot, but I remember... You know, after college, like as an adult with real responsibility at that point, getting high and then half an hour later being like, okay, I want this to be over. And yeah. I know I've got like another four to six hours left and I can't stand this anymore. I, w- I began to get very bored and kind of antsy. Yeah. So, you know, it's legal in Oregon now. Mm-hmm. So we just go to the shop and get some. So I do ask, I say, just what's the. Like, all weed gets me up. There's no, it never made me feel mellow either. Right. It was always just kind of like, like everything's an upper to me. But I do, I, I would, if I go there, I'll ask him just like, what's, like, what puts you to sleep? Knowing that it's not going to put me to sleep, but it still will be like way mellow. Right. Way more mellow. And it does work. It's annoying to have, they want to talk to you for like 15 minutes or something. I'm just like, can you just, just hand me the one that's the <laughs> stuff. So, what kind of store do you go to to buy it in Oregon? So, it's just, uh, I don't even know what it's called. They're called bud tenders. Oh, the yes, guys I've that work that. there, which drives me nuts. I, I, I'm sorry, like I said that out loud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's it's just a weed store, right? And anyone can go. You don't need a card or anything. No, yeah, yeah. You can just go right in. Hmm. And it was like, as soon, I mean, it only, it passed like a year ago or something. And then I think they opened, when did they, they opened in like October. And then there was just like a million of them, like, out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you and Kathy were in Hutch and Kathy going out at that point. Yeah. And then yeah. What ha- were you living together the whole time? Um, oh, no, no. So by the time the Hutch and Kathy record came, that was already 2002, so we had already broken up. Okay. And that record, we worked on that record for a long time because we weren't signed to a label and we didn't. We weren't touring that much, right? We toured a little bit, um, but really we just worked on that record for like like a year or like a year and a half because there was no deadline. There was no rush. Um, so by the time that record came out, I had already recorded that first Thermals record because I just played all the instruments myself on that first record. You and played then, everything. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just all on a four-track cassette. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah. I recorded that, like more parts per million, that first Thermals record, like the first couple months of 2002. And then... The Hutch and Kathy record came out, and then we were on tour, and Sub Pop like sent me an email while Kathy and I were... We just did one tour for that record, and then Sub Pop had heard the Thermals 
it was the demo, but it, it was like what became the record. Did you send it out to them? No. And it was the funny thing was like I had sent them the Hutch and Kathy record. I had sent like all the labels that I wanted to be on. Like every single recording we did, I always sent, uh, you know, to like I had a list of like 20 labels or so. Um, and never heard anything. And then that Thermals record was the first record that we didn't send out. And then we heard like from a bunch of people. Um, but what had happened was uh, Ben Gibbard from uh, from Death, Death Cab. Cab for Cutie. He we knew him, and he we gave him uh, the demo. And then he was working on the Postal Service record with Sub Pop. Mm. Then, um, and so he gave it to them. And then that's how when they got in touch with us, I thought it was a prank. I was like, <laughs> No, you, I don't think. I was like, Is this real? Because they were like, Sub Pop loved it, and like. I mean, Kathy and I were just getting started on that, on like doing the work for that record, like touring and stuff. And they were like, "Can you come play? Uh, can you come play? Come to Seattle so we can see you play." And we were like, "Sure." There, there was no band at that point. Like we had never. I had just made those those mm-hmm. recordings, and we were like, "Oh yeah, of course, yeah, we'll come play for you as soon as Kathy and I get back from tour." So we had to get back and then make the band. So. How did Kathy feel? So you guys had Hutch and Kathy going yeah. on. How did she feel about, well, the interest now is in this thing that you did completely without her? Well, she had also been doing the All Girl Summer Fun Band, which was on K Records. So they had been pretty busy like around then. Um, we were all like, everyone... It's like the first Thermals lineup was Kathy and I, and then our friend Ben Barnett, and then Jordan Hudson, who was the f- drummer for the first couple... You know, he played drums on the next record, but everyone was like so excited about that the first Thermals record. No one, Kathy didn't mind. Everyone mm. like wanted to do that like right. right away. Right. Yeah, we were just all really excited about that. If you remember, what were you thinking about and feeling when you made that album? So, um, obviously, there's songs about Kathy. Um, there's a lot of kind of songs just about the state of Portland back then, which like Portland was way different. And like our like version of Portland was quite different. There was still, I mean, I know there's still a punk scene in Portland, but not for us. Cause we're 40 now. So, you know, I'm like Kathy, one time Kathy was like, well, like where she's like, where are all the house shows? Remember there used to be house shows all the time. And I was like, I think there are, but we just don't get invited to them. Mm-hmm. We just don't know about them. Um, it was like even it was like a time in my life that was like depre- it was you know it was sad and depressing because Kathy and I had just broken up and we had moved to Portland together um and it had been like three years but then it was kind of like an exciting time to um just kind of like Portland a lot of people you know were still moving to Portland back then but not like it is now like it was there was still a lot of like a lot of undiscovered parts. Um, of Portland, it was still really cheap. It still had this kind of dark, dirty vibe that every year is going away, um, which is fine. But it just—it was—it's definitely—it was different. What made you guys want to go there? Uh, first, that it was really cheap. So we, uh, Kathy, went to uh, fashion design school. Uh, she went to FIDM in mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and then we had thought about. I mean, we wanted to move to San Francisco. It was just an hour from San Jose. Um, but it's just even then it was so expensive. Um, and we knew a lot of kids that had moved up to Portland uh, from California. Um, and like the, a lot of people we knew were just 
you know, you'd have five or six kids living in one house. Mm-hmm. Everyone's paying like $200 a month for rent. You know, you have like a four track in the basement and you have your gear set up. So it just, Kathy and I had both been to Portland separately. Um, and it just seemed like the perfect place to move to because it was really cheap. And there were just like a lot of musicians and a lot of people we knew already. Right. Right. Um, so what happened when you guys broke up? I moved out. Um, or I mean, why did you break up? I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was... I, I, we must have broken up when I... I think we were 23. We were 23 or 24. And um, it's weird because now, like, we're so close. And I, I'm always wondering, like, why, why didn't it work? Because we get along so well. But... We were just so different then. Like I was just like, I want to just just go out, get wasted every night. I worked. Kathy worked days. I worked nights. I you know I I would get off at ten or eleven, and we would just go like every night. I had to be out every single night. Kathy never went out. The older we like, we get like we've kind of like met in the middle. Like I'm like way less like that now, but she kind of she kind of came out of her shell in the next five or so years or whatever. Um, so she kind of, she's like out way more than me now, but we were just, uh, just like a different, you know, we were just like at different places in our lives at that time. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times, like, I wish we would have made it work. Um, but then, you know, who knows for how long, and then maybe we wouldn't be as close as we are now. So I'm like really glad that we're still so close. Did she want the breakup? No, I did. I did. And you know what? There was like two times that we tried to get back together. And and I think the second time, then she didn't want to. I think we, we did definitely, we, we kind of went like back and forth for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you were making more parts per million, you were saying you were depressed because you guys had broken up. Yeah. Was that weird? I should be asking her this, but was that weird for her? Yeah, to be, I gotta get her in uh, to be playing songs <laughs> that were about her. Mm, not really. I feel like even like we kind of came up that way, where we were always like our scene was. You were kind of always playing music with people you had dated or wanted to <laughs> date, and like there was always I wouldn't say like not like drama, but there's always like tension, and I feel like that's what that kind of makes things exciting, and especially can feel good if you're like not embarrassed Mm -hmm. to like show someone how you feel or or tell them or, you know, you know, maybe you're playing a song and you're like, well, I don't know if they know that this is about them. I kind of hope they do. I kind of hope they know, but I kind of hope they don't. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I used to play in a band and I had a bunch of songs that were about different people that were in the little scene that we were in um, and songs that I had written and they didn't know it. But the singer of our band knew it. And I remember she would just like hone in and like deliver the song straight to that person. And I was like, please don't <laughs> make it awesome. so. Because I'm sure they're like, what What did I do? What's going on? You know, like you're making everyone very uncomfortable with how obvious you are. Or at least making me uncomfortable. Um, I mean, if you think like the rumors, you know, Fleetwood Mac is one of the 
it's one of like the most popular records ever that all that record is is you know the members of the band talking about each other or singing about each other so it's true if they can do it like <laughs> <laughs> okay so we sort of jumped around um you said you had a, a normal like suburban childhood do you recall if you were happy or not i was really happy yeah i was always really busy uh if I wasn't doing music, I like wouldn't like make comic books, and I was like just really into writing and drawing and music, and I did like theater stuff when I was pretty young, actually, maybe like eleven, twelve, thirteen. What shows? I would do. Uh, I was in the Miser. I was in the Jungle Book. Um, I was in like a lot of like small, just like original plays that like the director of the theater, you know, had. Uh, had written. Who did you play in Jungle Book? I played Mowgli. Wow! Yeah, I right? didn't realize you're that so humble. That was the first year I did it too. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, these are like small. It was small, Still. but like, but my sister and I both did that. Um, it's funny because I now that I've uh, like met all these kids in Portland that do improv, and it's weird. I, I know a lot of people that don't like improv. I. Like I don't do it. I do it a little bit now. I like it a lot, but still, like I I was doing it when I was like eleven and twelve. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a really good. I, I I'm glad like I did it back then because I feel like learning it. Uh, it's definitely like a good skill to have. Wait, did you improvise some of your Mowgli performance? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you just mean you were. But do you mean you're doing? We improv? would do in like classes. Okay, taking classes. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you had a happy childhood. Your parents were in- encouraged all the creative pursuits? Yeah, definitely. Always. My dad wanted me to play music. Kind of, he didn't care like what, like he, he taught me or he kind of tried to teach me piano when I was young and I just wasn't into it. Um, then he got me a guitar when I was 15. Had um, you asked for it? Yes. I really, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I always knew, like, from a young age, I wanted to perform somehow, and I loved acting, but then once I got into music, I really kind of just wanted to do music more than anything. Um, What were the first bands you were into? Well, right before, like, the reason I wanted a guitar, because I was listening to, like, ACDC and mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses and Led Zeppelin, um, but then Nevermind came out, I probably had had a guitar for, like, three months, and Nevermind came out, and then... You know, everyone I knew, I was like a sophomore in high school. And what was great about that record, I mean, obviously we all went crazy for that Mm -hmm. record, but those songs were so simple. Like, you could actually play those songs. I couldn't play, I could play like Heartbreakers. I could play like simple riff songs, uh, but like most of like Appetite for Destruction, I couldn't play those songs. (laughs) I couldn't play them now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, anyone, I feel like that helped... That was just like another reason to love Nirvana. Their songs were so simple and you could be six months or a year into playing guitar and you could totally play those songs. Mm. So once you got into music, that was you knew that was the right direction. Yeah, I liked that because I had liked acting a lot, but what I liked about music was that no one was telling you what to do and you weren't like reading someone else's lines and no one was directing you. You could just be like exactly what you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I just liked that control um and then you know you just 
you're just trying to be cool when you're, I mean, I guess at any age, but especially when you're like 15 in high school, you want to be cool. And it was cool to be in a band. Were you, uh, did coolness come naturally to you? No. Really? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's, it's doesn't you seem cool. Still. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but also I feel like it was a good time. Like all the bands I liked were kind like even Nirvana. Nirvana was cool, but they also didn't take themselves too seriously and they would be like really silly. Um I feel like, you know, after you know, when you get all the alternative bands like Sonic Youth and like the Breeders, like these are all the bands I love like the most. Mm-hmm. Like they're cool, but they're not like they were casual and it wasn't like all the glam and like metal and like hard rock bands that came before them where everyone they was trying so hard right. and your look had to be perfect and then you know once all these kids come up and they just and have like flannel shirts yeah right like it was it was easier to you know to like emulate mm-hmm. bands like nirvana you just needed like a like an old sweater and like a t-shirt <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah it was easier to be cool right um did you get a lot of chicks no I was a virgin throughout high school. I didn't have really? sex until I was 19. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I graduated like at 17 too. So, Okay. A yeah. lot of questions. Okay. Not a lot. Just a few. But graduated at 17. Yeah. Were you... Uh, it, how did that happen? I think I I had just started school earlier in New York. I had like started first grade at five instead of six. I think that's the only reason. And then my When's your in birthday? October. So it's oh, okay. like... Okay. Yeah. You're graduated one of Graduated 17 and then right. like 18. Yeah. Nowadays, they I think it's called redshirting, where they hold, where kids who have a birthday around them, like October or November, would start kindergarten at six, yeah. and then have this like kind of unfair advantage because they're older than everyone. Yeah. So you started kindergarten at four. Yeah. So you graduated at seventeen. I mean, as a virgin. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, like graduating. I don't know. I always felt like I had like a head start by starting early even though it was only i was you know i turned 18 like four months or whatever five months later i still felt like i had like it's a slight a advantage by being younger right yeah yeah, yeah definitely. no i always wanted to be older than i was and want to be more advanced and so i wouldn't have wanted to be held back at all i would yeah. have wanted to like do everything I, I needed to to be the youngest person doing whatever it's, yeah so feels cool yes it's weird now to never, ever be the youngest person ever anymore. Yeah. I mean, unless I start hanging out with, I should just start going to, d- to dinner at 5.30, playing bingo, because then I will be you the should. youngest person. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of my lifestyle now, n- never the youngest. Like, I will be talking to people, and I'm like, you're f- probably 15 years younger than I am. Yeah. That's obscene. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, I started doing comedy, too, so a lot of times I'm going to shows and the oldest people there are 25 so you just try to don't mention like dates and you records or movies or anything (laughs) just don't talk you look much younger thanks than you you are thank you we are we are exactly the same okay uh i also graduated in 93 and then 97 so yeah very same cultural moment um and same age um but the thing I was going to say was, let's see, it's right. Oh, yeah. I want to get into you getting into comedy, but we need to talk about this virgin. Oh, yeah, yeah. A little no, while longer. Oh, yeah. I also we're lost, not, I also lost my late, but I wasn't doing anything cool like playing in a band or anything. Okay, but I was Christian, too. And I was like in Christian clubs. Okay, so... Uh, 
really feel like that should have come up sooner. <laughs> I, you know, I noticed one of the tweets. I feel like someone asked that. Yes, because we're going to okay, take yeah, questions. Yeah. No, but um, you talk about it now. We can get into it now. So yeah. I was raised Catholic. Well, it's funny. Uh, my dad's Jewish. My mom is Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, like I was raised Catholic and like very Catholic and went to Catholic church like every single uh, weekend and went to so your CCD mom on Wednesday. very like, into it. Okay, not now. So my parents both... Stopped going to church as soon as I, like, like after I was 18, moved out of the house, uh, they just stopped going altogether. Huh. They just... Why? I don't know. I don't. It was like they kind of did it for me and my sister, um, and then they were just done with it. <laughs> I don't I mean, it, just, it didn't really bother me, but I was like... But I hated going to church mm-hmm. as a kid, like, growing up. Like, Why? Hate, well, we would go Sunday nights... So you'd go like Sunday at five, like five to seven. So to me, it was always like the end of the weekend when you're like so bummed already because you got to go back to school Monday morning. And then it was like every weekend was just leading up to church. Right. Um, so I, but I did, it's funny that like the last couple years of high school, and it was also right when I started playing guitar that I would play, I would play guitar like a Christian club. And that's <laughs> like a lot of the first songs I learned were like, we had like songbooks that had like some Beatles and Bob Dylan songs, but then also had, you know, like Jesus is a rock and just like, uh, you know, like Christian folk songs. Um, and I was, I wasn't going to just, I wasn't like in a rush to lose my virginity the way a lot of guys are, or a lot of people I knew were. Mm-hmm. Because it was a sin? Not because it was a sin, but it was more like it was important that it be like something special with someone you were in love with or at least that you thought you were you know as much as like you can be in love when you're right. 17 or 18 right. um yeah just that it, it for me it was going to be something like important and special not just be something weird and random and did it turn out to be that yeah it was it was like uh with like my first like serious girlfriend and we were together for like a year and a half was it magical because mine it was wasn't not. not. No, I don't think it can be. It no, can't right. And yeah, no, it wasn't magical at all. Um, it was fine. Where was it? It was in. So I was, or I was living just like in a punk house with a bunch of kids. Um, you know, but it was like it wasn't the most private. You know, <laughs> it was in my bedroom, but it wasn't like. There was nothing romantic mm-hmm. about it, really. How do you remember feeling any different the next day? Mm, no, I wish. I mean, what has it been? It's been like twenty-one years. Like honestly, I don't like. I don't remember how I felt. I don't think I felt. You know, I feel like a lot of people say this. You think it's going to be some. It's going to be so great when it happens, and then you think you're going to be a different person, but really, it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like I just kind of felt the same. I remember, so I lost my virginity, I was 20 and a half, it was uh-huh. my half birthday, I remember that. <laughs> uh, we had seen Ace Ventura 2 in the theater, and... Nature calls. I, but but I sort of knew it was going to happen that whole night, so I couldn't, couldn't focus on the uh, piece of historical cinema i was taking in I, I i remember zero about that movie all i know was i was just thinking about i was just overwhelmed how did you know it was gonna happen um 
because the time before that we had hung out, I think I said, I, I want to tell you something. I'm a virgin. And then he was, it was like, you could have heard like the needle screech. Um, <laughs> he was like, okay, I, maybe we shouldn't do this now. And then I think we had talked on the phone and I had said I was okay with it. Um, or something. I, I honestly can't remember how yeah. I knew. I just yeah. knew it was just, it, it had been heading that way before. And then when I told him I was a virgin, he kind of freaked out, uh, not freaked out, but just wanted to take it a little bit slower. So the thing is, I know that for the longest, because in my rush to always be older, but being a late bloomer, I felt like I also had this feeling like I don't want it to just be some random one night stand. Like I want to be someone that I'm in a relationship with, but also I can't wait to get rid of it. It's like this albatross. I just want to like be like everyone else and I want to get rid of it. Um, And then the next morning instantly I felt like, and it bums me out that, that it switched so quickly. My feeling was, there was something special and unique about me before being a virgin at my age. And now I'm just like oh. everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> It's so funny. That, like I had never had that feeling before, but anyway, so that's, I, I sort of, I don't know. I don't know. I, what I was about to say is I think that no matter what, I just find a way to sort of beat myself up right. about yeah. it. Yeah. I also think I just was just too young to really handle it emotionally. Yeah. I think I've only just become able to. <laughs> yeah. Just, just this year. <laughs> so you were religious and you said you don't really have resentment about it, but I feel like maybe you do. I, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I, well, I don't know. Like it's been a, a good like source of inspiration. I'm glad like, I have that knowledge. Like I'm glad I know about the Bible and I know about Christianity, but. Why? Um. Well, the stories are amazing, uh, you know, and I've used a lot of it for inspiration, like in songwriting, um, mostly because that's just what's in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kathy also grew up Catholic, same thing, Catholic schools, Catholic church. Um, so, you know, when we made The Body, the Blood, the Machine, people were asking us, like, where does this come from? And Or some people would be like, why are you attacking Christianity? You know, we'd be, we'd be like, this is how we were raised. Like, this, we didn't just choose this. Like, this is what is in our heads and this comes out of us. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it is resentment. I, uh, did you grow up with a lot of guilt? I mean, cause that's what I yes. hear. Okay. Jewish dad, Catholic mom. It was <laughs> only guilt. Yeah. About what kind of thing? Um, I, I mean, it's it all goes to sex mostly. I think, I mean, it's funny because at the same time that my parents were, you know, having us go to church all the time, I, they were, you know, they would, my dad sat me down and told me it was okay to masturbate when I was, but I was like way too old. I was probably like almost 16 already. I was uh. like, oh my God, this is like so late. Like, I know, <laughs> I know. I never stopped doing it. <laughs> Did um, you, was that something that you felt guilt over? I think so. But also the thing is like with all that religion is that's also the thing that makes you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the fun. Like you're doing something wrong. Um, you know, becomes a turn on a lot of the times. Like that didn't go away, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so, are yeah. you dra- are? It, so now that you're not religious, are you still drawn towards, um, 
like acting out in that acting yeah. out is the wrong word but well it, it might be i mean sometimes when you're like like I'm are you a perv to a certain extent sure okay. i mean not like i don't have fetishes but it's nice when there's something a little bit wrong about i feel like i've hooked up with a lot of people that i'm friends with mm-hmm and like part of the draw is like we shouldn't be doing this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I only realized this like really recently, like in the past couple of years. So in a pro- you're drawn to like inappropriate connections or is it a boundaries thing? I mean, it's like inappropriate, but the thing is like in reality it's not really inappropriate. Right. I mean, usually it hasn't been. But you but but it sounds like you're driven by that feeling or that voice in your head of like we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. How did you realize this? Are you in therapy? I I was my therapist retired. That's so inconvenient and inconsiderate. It's so inconsiderate. And do you remember what about Bob, the you mm-hmm. know movie with Bill Murray? Like I always like that's me. I'm always like, well, I could I should just find him wherever he is, <laughs> and you know I'm sure he'd love to see me. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's too bad. He yeah, I, I only saw him. It was like less than two years, but he was great. And uh, he was like, well, I'll refer you to someone. And then I I haven't I've been able to start like fresh with anyone. Um, what made you decide to get into therapy? Like anger issues, mostly. Yeah, it was mostly like, uh, how can I be in relationship and not, like not uh, have every fight be like a huge fight? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I just like not uh, like, yeah, get angry over like very small things? Like that was like those, those were like my main issues. Um, is... Is that a thing that you do get get angry over little things and it like what kind of things? It's just like when when you're like dating someone, I feel like any fights I have in relationships like it's not I don't know how you know however they start, it's not what the fight becomes about um I don't know so many things I would tell my therapist he'd be like, oh, it's natural, it's normal, and it's so weird when I say like he helped me because he did. But a lot of times, you know, just like, uh, I don't know, like, what's a good example? Um, you know, just getting upset with someone. I mean, really, it's usually just like over nothing. It just comes from like, I would tell him like, even when I'm like in the best mood and I'm like enjoying like spending time with someone, I feel like I'm always ready to like get in a fight mm. or just kind of blow up over nothing. It. I'm going to try to pin down something that might not be pin downable, but do, are you someone who holds in resentment so that then when a little thing happens, you can just like let it all out? Or is it like... That happens. Of, yeah. I mean, that has happened. I feel like I've gotten better at these things, mm-hmm. but that, yeah, it's definitely happened. The kind of thing that would set you off though, would it be like someone saying something in a tone or a weird sure, way? Sure. Or like, or like someone kind being of snide. Late? Yeah. What about like someone being late? Or being forgetful, or being impatient, or maybe impatient, not not like late or forgetful, right. not not something. It's something that you. So like. So it's like the way you relate to the person, like them just being not the way you want them to be in the moment. Yeah, well, I guess so. Or you know, if someone, uh, if you feel like, if I feel like I'm being told what to do or how to be, like mm-hmm. how to act. 
No one likes that. No. Are no. You... But, but, but then but a lot of people have good ways of dealing with that. Right. And they don't get too upset. Do you think that you sometimes feel that you're being told what to do or how to be when you aren't? Or is it you really are being told what to do and how to be and you just don't know how to deal with that? I think it's usually, I mean, learning to like admit that I'm wrong about anything has been like a fun journey to go on. <laughs> but I, a lot of it has been that, like someone telling you, you know, you're being an asshole and I'll, you know, I'm like either denying it, but then, you know, a lot of times realizing, okay, I was being an asshole, I but I still didn't like you telling me, you know. <laughs> you know, that I was. Um, but it's all, situations like that is all how how the person tells you. Right. Um, so did therapy help you deal with your anger? It, it did just by, uh, I feel like a lot of times the things that my therapist would say, that wasn't the helpful part, but just me like saying things out loud, just talking mm-hmm. to him. Um, helped me. Right. A lot of times, I mean, he probably was, he needed to retire. He would complain about his wife a lot. <laughs> and there's like something. Were you, wait, were you sexually attracted to him at that point? No. Because that's inappropriate. But I was obsessed with his ears for, for a while. He had huge, like huge, and they were like very close to it. They didn't like, they, not like they stuck out. They were mm-hmm. like these just huge, it's, it's hard to describe. He looked like he huge was in like Lord of the Rings. Close to his He looked head. like a hobbit kind of. Um, but he would say stuff like women are hysterical. <laughs> oh, he was, was real like, old school. Oh my God. And I, I hate to say that because I, I, when I talk about him, I, I say that he helped me and I did like him, but he would say crazy stuff mm-hmm. that was not. And sometimes when I would, I would talk about like a fight I'd had with my girlfriend and how I knew I had been wrong and I knew I had gotten upset, uh, for no reason. And he would just start he would turn it into like a rant about his wife. He was, he wanted, <laughs> he was like trying to tie a canoe to his, he was so Oregon. He had horses and like, he would go canoeing and like, he had gotten to a fight with his wife trying to tie the canoe to the roof of their car, but it was her <laughs> fault. Like, so he told me once, like one time, uh, he was, cause I, I told him like just small things, you know, I, I just felt like I was turning into my dad were just like tiny things you know, were, like, aggravating to me, and he was Is saying, that how your dad is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But my, my dad's not a, you know, he's not bad, but but that just is quick how, to anger. Yeah, and not and not horribly, but just growing up, you know, just, like, you're, you know, you get the feeling like he was irritated by his kids a lot, mm. which is, I mean, kids are irritating. Um, My therapist, he was telling me he was... uh. His wife just always let, left the lights on in the house, and so it was driving him nuts. And he knew that he, you know, he's always getting mad at her for leaving the lights on. And eventually, he was just like, "I just realized all I can do is just go turn the lights off." And he's like, "Once I realize that, it's a very small thing to do. You don't have to get upset with someone else. It's just this little, very small problem you can just take care of." So I was like, "It's a good yeah, take okay. home." Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then he would be like, "Women are crazy." <laughs> So growing up, you felt like you irritated your dad, or your dad made you feel that way. Um, yeah, but not like uh, I don't know. I have such a good relationship with my dad now that I don't ever want to like make it sound like it was bad growing up. Like he was great, mm-hmm. um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like just he was just like the way a lot of dads are. Like, it's annoying to have kids around. What's your relationship with your mom like? It's really good. It's great. She's the best. Um. So here's here's what's going on. I am trying to find your trauma because okay. clearly you have some because it comes out in your music. Is it all just the religious stuff? Um, or actually, do you even agree that there is trauma? Know. Maybe you don't have trauma. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have real trauma. No. Okay. Yeah. Darkness. Definitely. And where? What's the source of that? Do you think? I I just have felt like, like think I think about death like nonstop, and that's been like since I was like very very young, like maybe like four or five. Interesting. Yeah. Did you experience a death young? No, but you know what? That does come from religion because I remember like learning. I remember like the day I like learned, like my mom explaining death to me. Mm. But then in, uh, and that was very scary. But then my, you know, she would say, but you go to heaven. And I was like, well, what then? Then you live forever in heaven. That was terrifying to me. That was scarier to me than what I think happens now, which is you just die and go away. Like I'm much more okay with that. Why the idea of just the fact that you can't understand, yeah, and that you can't really, you know, it's the same thing. I used to, you know, as like when I was very young, lie awake, you know, you think about okay, the universe is unending, but how your brain can't wrap it, you can't understand that. I I have spent so much time being frustrated by that that exact same thing. Like Like, how can that be? The human, you your brain just cannot wrap around the idea of infinity. Yeah, it can't. So that would, yeah, that infinity like scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the universe, the universe, or living forever. Right. Um, Less so now. I mean, I still think about death a lot, but I, I'm not scared of it in the same way. So you're preoccupied with death. Yes. But no one died around you. No. Still to this day, have you not lost anyone close to you? I have. Um, I've had maybe, like, only one of my very close friends uh, has passed away, and that was, mm, like, three years ago or so. And I've known people uh, that have died, but only, like, one person that was really close to me. And, that, yeah, that was recently. Mm-hmm. Um, were your parents worried about you in terms of how preoccupied with death you were? Like, were you little Wednesday Adams or...? I would do... Um, I like slept walked and and like screamed and ran around the house like all my childhood like like it, my to the point where my dad tried to hypnotize me. <laughs> this is so weird. So this is yes, from when I was like however, you know, like maybe like 3 to like 7 or something like most nights wake up and run around the house screaming like in my <laughs> sleep. Um and I don't know I don't know what that comes from. Um night terrors right i don't know what causes it um but do you have a memory of doing it or yeah oh definitely you definitely do. yeah because i would always you know you kind of come out of it like a trance and you you know you you wake up like sitting up on the couch with my mom or my parents mm-hmm. um was it did you experience it as something that was scary it wasn't scary until my dad started like working on it. Like I don't know what I should ask him. I don't know how. Well, I don't know why. I mean, he wasn't a hypnotist. I don't right. know why he thought he could hypnotize me. But he, <laughs> he, we would, he would, we would practice. And he would sit me down and like have me close my eyes. I shouldn't say hypnot hypnotism isn't isn't the right. Uh, it's not the right 
guided word for meditation. it. It's, it was kind of like that. Like I would close my eyes and he would say like, I'm going to count to three and on three you're going to wake up. And that's that what, like, is hypnotism. That, that was scary. Like that's when it got scary to me because that. Why? And it never worked. I don't know. Just so like, wait, he would do it during your night terror? Yeah. And I don't think it worked. Oh. I'm pretty sure it didn't work. But yeah, that was scarier to me than than the terrors itself. Do you do any weird stuff in your sleep now? I've been told I like shout sometimes. I think it's less. <laughs> um, I've had some girlfriends say like you were just shouting and you're just like, what I'm do like, you shout? Sorry, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, nothing that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> wow. Okay, so obsessed with death, night terrors. When did you stop being religious, if you are no longer religious? I'm not religious now. Um, pro- you know, around, like, after I graduated high school, like, probably, like, 19, 18 or 19. And it wasn't that I... I had always had a hard time, like, believing in God, but I did like, like, the youth group I was in, like, it was it was a positive thing, and I liked mm-hmm. the people, and I liked the idea of, like, helping the community, helping people, Um but as far as like faith was always different for me. Like I didn't totally like I w- I wished I did. I still wish I did now. Um, but I just could never like fully believe in God. So you just made the decision to not be part of it anymore. Yeah, it was just like our uh, one of the leaders of the group who was thirty started dating one of the girls who was in the group who was nineteen, mm. and then a lot of us it was this was like a guy we all looked up to and then at that point we're like well it's kind of hard to like the i don't know the people we looked up to were not you know it was hard to look up to them was that upsetting no i I don't like when people fall from grace it wasn't like upsetting but it was it was it was eye-opening because you're like oh this is like a total you know this is this guy who we really looked up to and thought was a very smart like wise person and Mm -hmm. we're like oh this guy is like just like totally normal did you call it? Was he pastor or someone? No, 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 not at all. Because it wasn't like um, the youth group and stuff. That uh, the funny thing was, uh, you know, we would all get really stoned and go to go to youth group. Like oh, we were still like doing my drugs at the same time. Um, I mean, I smoked PCP and went to youth group <laughs> one time, and it was okay with your anger issues. <laughs> uh, we were we were all okay with it. I don't know. For us, there was no like like why can't we be Christian and still get high all the time? Right. Like, what does PCP make you feel? And did you do it a lot? No, no, I just did it the one time. It was great. It felt like like no pain. Um, is that what it's? I don't even know. All I know is that it's supposed to make people violent. But what is like? What is the promise of PCP? Is it a hallucinogen or is it? I don't know. Yeah, all the stories you hear, you, you would hear, like in the eighties, was like. Right jumped out the window or like a guy beat up cops you know i heard a story about a guy who's in handcuffs and like broke the yes. handcuffs and broke both of his wrists and then attacked the cops and jumped out a window and none right. of that it was all fine yeah mm-hmm. we were like hanging out at burger king was it a euphoric yeah definitely definitely when did you get into drugs Probably and are you still 15 into that? or 16 i like only smoke weed and like not that much mm-hmm. anymore like I heard that it's called turning a corner when you just can't when like all the when you when like one drug all of a sudden makes you feel 
like totally different. Like if I can't imagine, because I used to smoke weed, you know, get up in the morning and just like smoke it like all day, mm-hmm. every day. I couldn't possibly do that now. And it never made me feel like anxious when I was younger. And now it would it wouldn't take much for me to like, yeah, like feel like a lot of anxiety from smoking. Mm-hmm. Um. So when did you start doing comedy? Just like almost two years ago, like a year and a half ago. I was kind of like doing like peripheral stuff like in the Portland comedy scene, like playing songs at people's shows or I did that show Picture This, like drawing while comedians performed, which was great too. Um, and then I just wanted to do it for a long time. Uh, and I would keep like getting close to doing it and then get scared. Uh, like I went back and forth with it for a while, for mm-hmm. like a year. I would be like, okay, I'm totally going to do it. And then be like, oh no, I just can't. I'm going to be terrible. I just have to, I should just stick with music. And then, uh, when I finally did it, uh, you know, I just did an open mic and it was awesome. Like I loved it. And then I didn't want to stop. Mm-hmm. And now you do, do you do stand up and improv? Like, what do you mostly do? I've just done stand up. Uh, I've just done improv, just like a little bit. Um, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall, mm-hmm. he came and taught like an all day class in Portland like a year ago. And I went and did that. And I was so glad I did that because I love him. Um, and that was really cool. But yeah, I've only been doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I interesting it. because. I think of stand-up and music as, well, some music, um, this would not be the case, but stand-up and like punk as so different. Yeah, definitely. Because punk or or the kind of music you play, however we will, whatever we want to call it, um, is so sincere, yeah. like a sincere expression. Um Although I guess you could say comedy. I mean, comedy is definitely sincere. Well, it depends yeah. on what. Right. I mean, even punk too. There's a lot of people who aren't sincere, but they yeah. just, you want to be a punk. Uh, I mean, uh, one difference is like with punk, you're kind of like telling people to fuck off. Or with comedy, like you really want it. You want to be likable. You want to be relatable. Mm-hmm. You want people to like what you're doing. But this, you know, at the same time, same thing with music. You want if you're making, if you're getting up on stage, you want people to like it. It's right. Presented differently. Right. And yeah, it is so different. I mean, timing, there's timing and rhythm to both music and comedy, but I mean, besides that, I feel like it's they're so different. Mm-hmm. What are you in LA for? Just doing um Kathy was with me last week and mostly just doing interviews. We did a lot of sessions, a lot of acoustic sessions. Um yeah, just mostly just doing press stuff for the record. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to name your albums, uh, and then you just give me one word that you like associate with the album. Okay. And then we'll do questions from Twitter. Okay. Oh, first though, a question. The No Culture Icons EP, which yeah. I love, did that come out before or after more parts promoted? That came out before just by like a month or so. Okay. Maybe a couple months. All right. More parts per million. Lo-fi. Fucking A. Sophomore. The Body, the Blood, the Machine. Classic. Now We Can See. Dead. Why? 
uh, the all those songs are written from the point of view of we're, those songs are all written like we're singing from beyond the grave, like mm-hmm. we're dead. Personal life, cynical, uh, desperate ground. Did I get that title right? Yeah, yeah, that is right. Mm, compression. <laughs> And the one uh, that comes out on March 25th, We Disappear. Mistakes. How come? This, this record is mostly about, you know, it's another record like about relationships. And it's about death, of course. Um, everything we do is like a little bit about death. But for me... It's like admitting, like we have two records like about love, like personal life is one and personal life, like the take is very, like I said, cynical. It's really like cold and like has a really like negative point of view. We Disappear is like admitting the mistakes for me that I've made uh, in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the word code comes up in a couple different songs. What What does it mean to you? There's kind of like a relation with technology um, in this record, too. I love, like, I'm obsessed with, like, a lot of it comes off like sounding like a rant, like against the internet or, you know, addiction to all these devices. But, like, I'm as addicted, like, as anyone. Um, and a lot of, you know, what we're all doing and even what you're doing in any art is you're just trying to leave something that's permanent mm-hmm. um, after you die. So... Yeah, I think, you know, we mentioned the code is something, uh, you know, you're trying to write something or leave something that's going to hopefully exist when you're gone. Mm. Let's take questions that people sent in over Twitter. When we ask, they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. And uh, now would be a delightful time to remind you guys that, hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you guys for your Amazon support. Thank you for PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of the website. Um, and all the stuff you might want to find is on the website, t-shirts, ring- bonus ringtones, bonus episodes, etc. Okay, so this is the question that you sort of referred to earlier. Greg Kenyon says, what is his religious background that informed uh, The Body of the Blood of the Machine? As an ex-Christian, it resonated and remains a favorite record. We sort of answered that one, I think. Yeah, we did. I mean, yeah. Just, uh, I mean, why, you know, we, Kathy and I were raised Catholic, but, you know, we were in the middle of the Bush administration with that record. And really, that record was just about, like, Christianity being used uh, you know, in politics and, you know, people who were politicians claiming to be Christians and doing very unchristlike, you know, actions. Right. Kyle Blair says, big fan of both of yours. Any chance on some more space cat art, Hutch? Oh, yeah. Um, so that's, you know, so I do collage and I, I've designed most of the Thermals record covers. Um, and I've, it's funny because I've done a lot of projects for some reason the space cats is the one a lot of people think that that's all i do like i'm just obsessed with cats in space which it's cool but that yeah i uh i i do collage when i can i'm like so busy these days um i always feel like uh 
when I get really old and retire from everything else, that'll be like the last thing that I'll be doing because <laughs> it's just like, you know, you're just sitting at a table, you know, with scissors and glue for hours. Um, but yeah, I like it. I'll get back to it. What kind of glue do you use? Just glue sticks. Every okay. my my art supply table looks like a kindergarten. <laughs> Midlife Christ's says, any chance the thermals might come to Glasgow, Scotland someday? And by the way, is it Glasgow? Am I saying it? I feel like Yeah, Glasgow. Okay. Um we have been there a lot. Um we will be back. We'll probably be back later this year. Um like summer or fall. Pagank, I feel like I'm saying that one wrong, says, when he and Kathy do the good cop, bad cop routine to negotiate a record deal, who is good cop and who is bad cop? We definitely, maybe not negotiating a record deal, uh, but I think Kathy and I definitely do a good cop, bad cop, and she is bad cop. Really? For real, yeah. Because <laughs> Kathy can kind of just do, she doesn't even have to try. Kathy, Kathy doesn't humor anyone if Kathy is not feeling it, she will not pretend. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I know we do the good cop. It's more like on tour when you're, like, when you're dealing with someone, with, like, a promoter or someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you need both cops to get what you want. But, yeah, those are definitely the roles. Um, Gherkin wants to know, favorite ska band? Oh, that's hard. I mean, I actually like Scott a lot. I know. Uh, I mean, I like to make fun of it. I mean, everyone does. Um, I like the Scottalites a lot. I like a lot of the old ska. Um, I also there was this band Skank and Pickle that I'm sure I, a lot. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. I mean, a lot of especially you know if you're from the Bay Area, um, they were huge when I was in high school. Um, but I love Madness and Specials. Uh, yeah, there's like a ton of bands I like. Awesome. Let's do just mirror everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And we say whether we also do this. David Gutman says, love opening a new box of cereal, but instantly can't wait to finish it like it's a task in my to-do list. I don't have cereal here because I would just whip through it. So in that way, I can relate. But it's not like it's a task in my to-do list. It's more like I just am going to pour more milk. I'm going to pour more cereal. I'm going to pour more. I mean, it's been years since I've done that. But that's my relationship with cereal. Hutch? That Absolutely. I like that. I like that question because it is for cereal for me, but it's almost for every single... Like that guy just described my whole life. <laughs> like every single thing... As soon as you've started it, it's like, okay, when are we going to finish? What do we need to do to finish? Yeah, even from like from like a real task, yeah, to just eating. I don't know why that is, but yeah, eating, even finishing a box of cereal, it's a task. Do you have trouble being in the moment? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it is part of that. Like, you're always thinking, okay, what comes next? Right. J-Mos and Bobo says, when I go on vacation, I empty kitchen trash, run the garbage disposal, and turn off the toilets. Nope. I mean, I always think, I'm going to clean up the house so I come home to a clean house, but I don't. I usually, I'll manage to throw out anything like milk that is going to go bad, and I won't leave dirty dishes in the sink. But other than that, I don't do any of that stuff. Well, no, I guess we empty the trash. I don't turn off the toilets, though. I mean, that's smart, but I don't do it. Okay. She said, hashtag no floods. That, 
that just describes like yeah every single time i leave can i leave town a lot like yeah every time and i have never turned off the toilet until this trip i actually did just because uh the the piece of my tank broke before i left so i didn't want it to keep running but i don't know why you would normally right. turn off your toilet is that just like a thing but yeah but i actually yeah this like two weeks ago that was me well, she says no floods, so I don't know how... F- I don't. I mean, I guess just so that if a pipe burst or something, it wouldn't... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like what would happen is I would forget, and I would come home, and then I'd be like, why are all my toilets broken? Yeah. <laughs> right, but you would get one flush out of it, because oh. the tank on the back would still be yeah. there. So you would flush, and then the next time you would go to the bathroom, you'd flush, and it would just be false alarm. Right. Okay. Ashley Bloodworth says, every time I see a photo with an inspirational quote on social media, I I cannot help but roll my eyes. Yeah, I've been, I think I've been talking about this lately in addition to just thinking it, that um, there are certain days where I wish I could just turn off all inspirational quotes. Just filter them out. Yeah. We've just, they, we overdid it with them. They Mm -hmm. were, they were useful for a while. Occasionally I will still will get something out of them. But I'll get something out of the quote, and then I'll also have a more negative feeling about the person that it came from. Yeah, I mean, sometimes someone I'll know will post like an article that I actually want to read, and I'll read it, and then still be annoyed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, I know. Well, as as we discussed before, people will start an inspirational quotes Twitter. And then they're obliged to do it every day. Uh-huh. So typically when you get an inspirational quote from somebody, they've gone, oh, this one really touched me. And then they share it and you go, that was great. But when you have to do it every day, you're phoning it in a lot of times. Yeah, right. right. And I've... so they're bad. And second of all, I don't need an inspirational quote every day. I need one every now and then. But when right. you get one every day. It's too much. Yeah. yeah eight out of less. ten of them are, well, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Then I step back and I'm like, oh, this person needs this in their own life. Like they're talking to themselves. It's the right. only way it makes sense. Well, so it that's tolerable. good for them. They don't have to share it. <laughs> exactly. Lane says, get irrationally mad when my printer sings the song of its people and thinks for five minutes before printing a one page document. I think I just enjoy the way that that is phrased. Have we done that one before? Does that no, ring a bell? That doesn't sound familiar. Yes, I hate that too. Um, Okay. Before Daniel and I lived together, I had a laser printer that um, was court. It it was not wireless. It was wired, and it always worked, and it worked great, and it solved all my printing problems in that it worked. But now we have this fancy wireless printer that works sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't, and I find myself turning it off and on frequently, yeah. and it's always more annoying than it needs to be. I'm convinced. I've never had a good printer I, I don't think it exists. I I mean, I, I guess you had one. I had I, one. I, I still have it, actually. It, but, man, yeah, I do the same thing with mine. Like, and I don't, I don't print that much, but it's like a hassle. Mine, it like won't print, and then you keep, like, turn it on and off, and then it'll print like eight or nine of like the one thing. Yes. Printers. Oh. Printers, if you're listening, get your shit together. I had a wired printer for the longest time, and then I was mostly printing high-resolution complicated docu- documents for the magazine so they would take forever to print mm-hmm. i mean you'd walk away and forgot that you were printing and you'd come back and they would start printing so now that i don't do that and i have a fast wireless one 
they print so fast it it scares me. <laughs> like I'll hit print and then instantly it's printing and then I'm just very excited. But I did have the problem with the wireless, so I actually hooked mine up through a USB cable now. It makes it work a lot better, right? Yeah, it's just never a problem. Yeah. Mallory says, just mirror everyone, while sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic, if someone's brake lights are out, I refuse to drive behind them. I mean, I think that's just smart. I don't know that I do that, but I think it's smart. Marky Mark says, every time I hear... Not the Marky Mark, in case you're wondering. Oh, too bad. Okay. Yeah. Every time I hear a weird-sounding plane fly by i'm scared it's going to drop a bomb yes a hundred percent oh really mm-hmm. you don't have that i a lot of times i'll think it's going to fly into a building but i never i never think a bomb is I coming always think really? bomb oh. yeah jeff yeah i always think it's going to crash into a building unless yeah. it's unless it's way off way way off somewhere if it's anywhere where i can see it with any closeness, I think is that's that headed for a building. A nine eleven thing, or yeah, before it that? is for me. And I yeah. call it nine. I mean, to me, I'm like that's going to be a nine eleven. Like I just think a plane crashing into a building is a nine eleven. I think the reason I think bomb is because I'm a little unclear on bomb protocol. Like if if someone's about to drop a bomb. They give warning, don't they? Oftentimes, and then like civilians are. I feel like I'm talking from like the six year old part of my brain. Like well, civilians yeah. are supposed to scatter or something. Are supposed to get out of the way, or or is it a surprise sneak bomb attack? Well, I think it would be a missile, wouldn't it? I mean, I would be more worried that missiles were coming. Is a missile not a than, bomb? Yeah. Well, I mean, there wouldn't be any plane. I mean, you know, it oh, would just be like, right. Okay. Or that there would be. A lot of planes, probably. There wouldn't just be one. Unless it's dropping. Are you picturing like an atomic bomb? No, okay, no, no. Okay. I'm just picturing something that's going to cause devastation and death. Yeah. Where, like what country is the is sending plane it? coming from? Yeah. I have no idea. I just know they're targeting Orange County, California, maybe. And is it yeah. World War Two? No, no. It's just a rando. <laughs> just a rando <laughs> a terrorist. bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't know. It could be our own government, for all it, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, if I see a plane and I hear like a... like a <laughs> One of those typical plane noises, I'm like, uh-oh, it's happening. Okay. Sorry, I just sniffled right into the mic. Dale Himes says... <laughs> Sorry, I just did it four more times. <laughs> Dale Himes... Okay, speaking of, of nose... I wish I hadn't started this, but I'm going to. I went skiing. By the time you hear this, it'll have been over a week ago. And it was high altitude and it was so dry that um, my mucous membranes were affected, let's say. And I've now been home for long enough that I would think everything's back to normal. But every time I blow my nose, it's still like, did I inhale gravel or something? And it's bloody. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I feel like maybe it's like it's like the inside of my face is incredibly dehydrated, but I don't think I'm that dehydrated. Can you moisturize your nostrils? Yeah, is you that can a spray that saline stuff up your yeah, nose. Yeah. I probably should because it just is like the Sahara in there. Hmm. <laughs> Glad I could share that with everyone. Thanks. Dale Himes, freaked when a guy on a lift was staring at me, realized it was a baldy with glasses on his head looking down at his phone. Yes, when people... When people who have no hair push their glasses up on the top of their head, it is a weird look. Have you seen this? 
I'm sure I have at some point. I it just not, I don't think it's like a normal. I mean, for me, it's not a normal occurrence. You would note. You would notice it if you've seen it. Tashonda White says, I will eat a can of tuna or peas just by themselves. Oh, and jalapenos and chocolate milk are delicious. Hashtag not Wait, pregnant. Together, jalapenos and chocolate milk? She means that together. actually does. That sounds pretty good. Wait, no. The tuna can, is she putting like salt or pepper on it? I think she. It would make That's a, difference. a good question. If you're putting a little salt, I could see it. Because I was going to say I can get behind you on the peas, but not the tuna. I feel like tuna needs something. Yeah, it needs something. A little mayonnaise or just a little salt. I like to eat peanut butter right out of the jar. That's I don't think common. Yeah, it's not, it's not weird. Crunchy or plain? Crunchy, always. What's your go-to snack food? <sighs> what am I eating at home? A lot of times I'm just eating toast. Like, plain you know what? A lot of times butter. I'm eating breakfast. I'm eating, I'm eating like cereal and toast like all day, every day. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like at night, definitely like eating like peanut butter toast, peanut butter jam, eating like Rice Krispies. Okay. Yeah. Rice Krispies, really? Yeah. Not. I like the Trader Joe's Rice Krispies. Oh. Or I think I don't, I mean, I don't like them. I just get them. Growing up, we always had Rice Krispies because my dad liked Rice Krispies and cornflakes. But Rice Krispies, oh, yeah. to me, there's like, there's so little to them. Yeah. I love them. Jeff? I like them. I like the taste of them, but I agree that they're a little lightweight. I've yeah. eaten them. I've eaten them plenty. But I find them a little unsatisfying. But I do like the taste. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, at the Bumbershoot show, Hutch, you were saying that you... Do you eat in the middle of the night? Yeah, I was saying that. I don't. I haven't been doing it as much, and I don't know what changed. But yeah, I would like wake up. Usually only sleeping for like an hour or an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I do this. Yeah. This is the thing. And is it... Wait, were you saying like sweet stuff? Like for me, if there's anything sweet... I just like had to stop like keeping any like chocolate or anything in the house. I just wouldn't let myself have it because I'll eat, wake up in the middle of the night and eat it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like stuff that I'm fine. I can stay away from during the day in the middle of the night. I don't have that resolve. Yeah. So we don't have that kind of stuff. But no, it's gotten like all. Honestly, I will get up in the middle of the night and I'll eat cauliflower or I'll eat like sugar-free jello or I'll eat like the same stupid <gasps> well, diet shit cool. that I eat during the day. But, <laughs> well, that's but I. I'm more accepting of it now, but I got very frustrated at a certain point because I was like, I recognize that it's still quote unquote healthy, but like, why am I, why am I eating at this time of night? Why am I doing this? And then I recently had this, this is going to sound like I recently realized two plus two equals four, but I recently had this realization that the reason it's easy for most people to not eat anything in the middle of the night is because they're actually asleep. Yeah, they're just, like they're yeah. disconnected. So why aren't we? I I don't sleep well at all. So yeah. for me, it's just like a lot. I wake up a ton, and I get like bored, and I get antsy, and I I think I feel more anxiety in the middle of the night, and I don't really know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. Like my husband just goes to sleep, and then he wakes up. Yeah, it's amazing. I've never done that. Never ever. Occasionally, I will. I'll wake up, and it'll be morning. I'll be like, whoa. <laughs> like that's so weird where'd all the time go but usually i'm i wake up every hour every couple hours yeah. is that how you are mm, i take pills a lot now really yeah what ones well i just take like like tylenol pm mm, yes that has benadryl in it i mean yeah you take two of those and you will it's not i mean i know it's not great for you i also take lorazepam 
you know, which is like, it's like Ativan or Xanax. Mm-hmm. Um, Does that which put you I to love. sleep? Uh, yeah, yeah. How much do you take? I take one or two. I don't know what the milligram. Right. It's not, yeah, you know, I don't even know. I experimented with that and I did not find that it really helped me sleep. Yeah. Um, I don't have trouble getting, I don't have trouble falling asleep. I have trouble staying asleep. Yeah. Benadryl though, which is what is in Tylenol PM, um, my doctor said it was okay for me to take that. So I I was taking that for a while and that did make a huge difference. But then that kind of, I just haven't been taking it lately. Maybe I should take it again. Well, it'll give you like a hangover or something, you know, sometimes like you wake up and you're not, you slept, but yeah, you don't, you don't feel great in the morning. Right. All right. And finally, Delaney says, somehow uh, managed to always get hairspray in my coffee when multitasking, waking up and getting ready. Hashtag gal chat. Hashtag anyone else. Yes. There's, if I ever have hairspray in the bathroom, no, that's not what I mean to say. If I ever have coffee in the bathroom on a day where I'm using, or a night where I'm using hairspray, then yes, there's always like a fine little sheen on the top of the coffee and you take a sip and you're like, oh, extra, extra strength and volume. This is disgusting. Gal chat. Definitely had that happen. Um, I'm very excited over the fact that Hutch is going to play a song or two. Who knows? Yeah. Go either way. All right. So now Hutch is going to play Thinking of You from the new album, We Disappear. I've been thinking about the things you said, every word you wrote, every word I read. Thank you so much. Would you want to play another one? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Do it right now. What's this one going to be? Uh, This will be My Heart Went Cold. Okay. 
Also from the new album, yes? Yes. Far from your voice I fall in the dark The damage is a drain It tears me apart I know I can repair But I don't know where to start My love in a void Worlds away Words I needed to say My heart went cold I know I pushed you away Oh, oh, oh I love my heat unsold I couldn't keep you warm My heart went cold Far from your voice Lost in the night The distance between us is fatal It swallows the light I know I can resolve it I always fall to fight My love in a void Worlds away Words I needed to say Words I needed to say I buried away Okay My heart much oh yeah this was such a treat um it was great having you on the show i really appreciate it yeah no thanks so much for having me stop myself from because like if i had my way you'd be here for six hours and i'd be like and what does this song mean and what does this mean and what does this mean and what does this mean and tell me about this and tell me about this (laughs) um okay so tell everyone where they should go to find you and plug whatever you would like them to check out uh the thermals.com you can hear all the songs videos all the tour dates um twitter at the thermals instagram at the thermals facebook the thermals and you've got tour dates and stuff yeah we're uh starts like mid-april through like the end of may Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again so much. And um, where should people go to find your comedy dates? Um, I think the Thermal Twitter, like that is like my Twitter. So that's the best place. Um, and then also I'll be at Bridgetown Comedy Festival this year. So June 1st through 5th. In cool. Portland. Yeah. Thank you. And listeners, uh, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me at Colonel Jeff Fox on the Facebook and the Twitter. 
Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time.